Now, it wasn't a surprise, and I don't think it was anything new, at least to me. But two individual areas that I stepped away from after the LSU spring game thinking, one of these is LSU strengths, and one of these is LSU's weakness. You are Locked On LSU, your daily podcast on the LSU Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, thank you for making Locked on LSU your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, but check us out on YouTube as well. If you normally listen to us on your preferred podcast platform, when you're on the road, when you're on the run, you can absolutely find us there, but we're also free and available every single day to watch on YouTube as well. My name is Caroline Fenton, and I am your host, as I am every single day, and I appreciate you for being here every single day and for making Locked on LSU your first listen. You can follow me on Twitter at Caroline Fenton one You can also follow along with the podcast at Locked on LSU. But let's get into it because I broke down LSU's offense in the spring game on Saturday. What I took away from the day, um, one position group that I think LSU – the LSU has, I think is the best in the SEC. My full offensive breakdown and offensive takeaways yesterday. So you can find that on your preferred podcast platform. You can find that on YouTube. Today, I wanted to focus on defense and special teams. And I want to start with what I think is going to be one of LSU's greatest strengths. And that's the defensive line, the linebackers, and the edge rushers. Your big guys up front with your guys with your hand in the dirt, your guys that are going to be rushing the quarterback. Because as we know, as the quarterback starts to evolve, as the game starts to evolve and the quarterback starts to become more and more and more important, the pieces around the quarterback become more important. The, the, the guys that the quarterback is throwing balls to are becoming more and more important. We're seeing that by the the contracts in the NFL and the urgency of which receivers and pass catchers are drafted and recruited. And it's also about the guys who are rushing the passer on the other side of the football. So let's get into some of the linebackers uh, and the edge rushers as well. Let's start with the edge rushers. And then I'll get into some of the, the inside linebackers. Um, Ovia Gufo was one that I saw in the spring game that, you know, I don't think he stood out in any sort of incredibly positive way, but he also didn't stand out to me in a negative way. It seemed like Ovia Gufo, you know, is the one player that has kind of been consistently thought of to be that next Jack linebacker of the future. It looks like he's going to play that role. Um, I'll be completely honest. He didn't look like BJ Ojolari did. He doesn't look like it's going to be a seamless transition, but also to be fair, not everyone can be BJ Ojolari. But again, remember, it's April. It's early. Ovio Gufo can continue to grow and evolve in that area. So you know, I, I have no issues whatsoever with Ovio Gufo, but Brian Kelly knows him pro, uh, you know, much better, obviously, than any of us will. But Brian Kelly has a much longer relationship with Ovia Gufo than several other of these newcomers, whether it be recruits or whether it be uh, players who joined LSU via the transfer portal like Ovia Gufo did. Because go back to the beginning of his college career, he played for Brian Kelly at Notre Dame. Now, my thought, and he played at Notre Dame and then he transferred to Texas and transferred to LSU from Texas. So I, I, I wondered. I, I always believe that there are a few reasons, one of a few reasons, why players transfer. 
Um, and of course it can be anything, you know, any player is totally in, entitled to their, their decision and what they want to do with their careers. But I always look at it like you didn't like the coach, you didn't like the coaching staff, or you weren't getting enough playing time is normally more often than not the answer. They're the reason why rather, um, some of these players transfer and Ovi Agufo coming back to play for Brian Kelly tells me that he didn't leave Notre Dame because he didn't like the coach, that it was about playing time. And so I've wondered, okay. If he didn't get the playing time that he wanted at Notre Dame and he didn't see the path to starting at Notre Dame so much so that he decided to go play for Texas uh, for the second stop in his career, then what's different now than when Brian Kelly didn't have him as a consistent starter or at least didn't have seem to have that path paved out for Ovio Gufo to be a consistent starter and a consistent force for that Notre Dame team back when they were both back in South Bend. This was Brian Kelly on some of the differences that he's seen between Ovio Gufo and his the beginning of his career in Notre Dame versus playing for Brian Kelly now at LSU. 20 pounds, 25 pounds, um, stronger, um, and, and just a lot more football. Like he hadn't played a lot for me at Notre Dame. And he, he got more playing time at Texas. And then, you know, he has physically developed himself. So you have a mature football player here that has been in, you know, two really good systems. And, and now he comes here, and I think he's ready to break out. Coach, what did you think of Apologies for that weird cutoff there. Um, but that's, that's key, maturity, both physically mentally as a player he said he put on 20 pounds he has more experience as a football player he was able to go out to texas and get some of that in-game experience and then bring that back to lsu what he didn't get at notre dame so i think my thing with ovia gufo is he's he's like one of those stereotypical transfer portal guys that you want to get that you trust him, you believe in the person that he is, you believe in the player that he is, you've been able to see his development over the years, and you believe that the, the experience that they have is going to be able to elevate your program. And I think Uvia Gufo, more likely than not, filling in in one very, very important position, and that's at the Jack linebacker position, a position that is honestly massive shoes to fill after B.J. Ojolari is under the NFL draft. Um, I, I think that I think that you can feel good about it. I really do. Like I said, he doesn't look like B.J. Ojolari, at least not yet. But again, not everybody is going to. So do you trust the rest of this defensive line, the rest of these linebackers, to kind of fill in what the pieces that you lost, the piece that you lost in B.J. Ojolari, for Ovia Gufo to get in there and to be able to kind of develop enough to get to that next level? Because he's at one level now, which is higher than what he's been at. How do you unlock that next level? Now, that's going to be the question with him. But I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do moving forward. I'm excited to see if he really is going to be the Jack linebacker of the future or at least of, of the year, you know, the the uh, the, Jack, the go-to Jack guy throughout the season, um, which seems like it's more than likely is what is going to happen is at least kind of what it's leaning toward to me from what we saw in the spring game, from what we hear, we've been hearing about practice, um, from what we've heard from from Matt House, what we've heard from John Jancic, what we've heard from Brian Kelly, all signs point toward Ovi Gufo filling in that Jack that Jack linebacker role. How can he continue to grow, and what kind of force can he be for this team? I'm excited about it. That was the edge rusher. I want to get into the linebackers 
coming up next. Some faces that we, you know, we, we know. Some faces that we don't know as well. What they look like. What were our takeaways? What was Brian Kelly's takeaway? We'll get into that coming up next. But before we do that, I want to tell you about FanDuel. Grand slams, no hitters, and double plays are back, and there is no better place to get in on the MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. That's right, because right now new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up, place your first bet, and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you do not win. Now, I'm a St. Louis Cardinals fan. I'll go right out here and say it. They haven't looked very good so far this season, but there is one guy that I think is getting slept on around the league, and that is newbie young guy Jordan Walker. His bat's kind of hot and cold, but on the nights that he's on, man, oh, man, is he on. So I would look to see, you know, Jordan Walker, maybe any time RBI score, maybe any time, you know, X number of hits recorded in a certain game. I think it's worth looking at it, putting some money on it. He's a very promising young guy for the St. Louis Cardinals. But don't miss your chance to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Well, thanks again for making Locked on LSU your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. You can also check out Locked On's NFL Mock Draft Special. It is finally here, and it, of course, is bigger than ever. You can follow along all 32 teams' first pick in a six-episode Ultimate Mock Draft experience that only Locked On can deliver. All episodes are available now on Locked On NFL Draft on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I contributed to the show. I gave my full breakdown of BGO Jalari, the good, the bad, what NFL GMs might be seeing in him. So make sure to go check that out and get a full preview of the NFL draft. We're only a couple days away. I am so excited. I am so ready for it of a full uh, pre-NFL draft, um, you know, getting up to speed episode later on this week. I'll have a review of the NFL draft where the LSU Tigers went at the conclusion of the NFL draft. So make sure to keep your eyes peeled for those NFL issue hopefuls in my breakdown of that my thoughts on that let's get into some of the linebackers inside linebackers let's start there um omar spates has been a player that i've been really really intrigued about because he was a four-year starter at oregon state he was a captain at oregon state he was a leader he was all pack 12 leader on the field leader in the locker room and just like a hell of a player. And he was entering a a linebacker room that needed some help, that needed some depth. So I wondered, I looked at a guy like Omar Spates and I thought, what kind of role can you fill in here? You know, you walk into a linebacker room that has Greg Penn, that has a Mac Markway, that has a Harold Perkins, but just needed a little bit more depth and some more veteran presence. Um, What, how can, can Omar Spates become that for this team after being such a cornerstone and a foundation of that Oregon State team the past few years. This was Brian Kelly's thoughts on um, on Omar Spates and kind of his contributions to the team so far and also his spring game performance. Yeah, I thought that, um, you know, we were really clean inside. You know, I thought we, we played, you know, good, fundamentally sound football there. Uh, I mentioned Omar. I thought you know, his addition is, is going to be really big for us. He made a great tackle in space against a running back. You know, that's 
that says a little bit about his versatility and what he can do uh, in the box, out of the box. So a versatile guy, a guy with experience, a guy that's bringing leadership, a guy that has, that is can be a veteran in this room. I think it's all positive things. Um, I, I can't really go further than that, to be completely honest with you. My thoughts in the spring game, I thought the inside linebackers looked solid the first teams uh, on the first team linebackers. So that's, you know, kind of reiterating what Brian Kelly had to say there. But I think the more interesting thing here is Harold Perkins. That transition and that shift from what Harold Perkins was this past year as a basically a Swiss Army knife, that he could drop back in coverage, he could spy, he could play up and up toward the line of scrimmage and kind of serve as a as a pass rusher kind of role. Now transforming that into a true linebacker, which is something that Matt House, the Brian Kelly, John Jancic have all reiterated that they want him to be a linebacker. They see his role evolving from what it was last year, which was really just raw, pure strengths of Harold Perkins. And that's just running all over the field and making your presence known, honestly, and kind of reforming his talents and what he can do so well and fitting that mold a little bit more as a linebacker. Now, um, John Jancic revealed about a week ago or so that um, Harold Perkins has been, been playing Will linebacker, which translates to the weak side linebacker, a.k.a. you're an inside linebacker that's lining up at the line of scrimmage, usually opposite the side of a tight end. Your Sam linebacker, your strong side linebacker, traditionally lines up against that tight end. Now, when you're running the 3-4 defense, that can change, absolutely. But that's, that is the... Um, that is the position that at least John Jancic said Brian Kelly likes Harold Perkins at at the moment is that weak side linebacker. Um, Harold Perkins had a nice a nice day. He he looked as advertised. There were several players that I saw on Saturday in the spring game, and I was like, "Yep, there that's that checks out." Harold Perkins being one of them, Malik Neighbors being another one, Garrett Nussmeier, Jaden Daniels, the way that they played, I thought, "Yep, okay." That's uh, that's his business as usual. There are some nice surprises as well, but at least for as far as Harold Perkins is concerned, he looked like Harold Perkins, and that is a very, very good thing. This is Brian Kelly's evaluation of Harold Perkins. Perkins was really good. Um, and, you know, the plays that, that kind of stand out to me is we ran a counter, and he was able to slip the second puller and make a, a TFL play. And that requires training, and uh, he's been really good. Um picking those things up. So um, I think all in all, um, you know, the development of Harold at the linebacker position, the addition of, you know, Ovi and, and in particular uh, Omar, those guys have been really big for us. And, um, you know, they were the holes, if you will, that, that we were looking to fill with more mature players. So I think that that's a very – a uh, reassuring thing. I know. I, I hear all of your concerns. I see your tweets, your comments, so on and so forth, about how you're concerned about the way that Brian Kelly, John Jancic, Matt House are going to be utilizing Harold Perkins this year. And you're totally justified in thinking that of, well, you know, he did really good at what he was doing last year. So why try and fit him into a box? Why try and take away what he was so good at? And that was rushing the passer. I think that the way that I view it, and I totally understand it, and you're not wrong I, uh, in, in feeling that. But I think that a, a an evolved Harold Perkins 
and a Harold Perkins that is now starting to grasp and be exposed to more complex coverages and to more complex reads, well, that's going to be, at least the way that I view it now, an even scarier Harold Perkins. And considering how scary he was last year for opposing offenses, that should make you excited about what this next level of Harold Perkins can be. He had a solid day um, in the spring game on Saturday, was as advertised. But there were a couple of linebackers that we didn't see out on the field on Saturday, Greg Penn and Mac Markway. Uh, Brian Kelly revealed that those two have been dealing with hamstrings. Bad enough hamstrings to say, hey, look, it's not even worth it to put you guys out there and to risk re-injury, but not such terrible hamstrings that it's like, oh, no, we don't know when those two are going to be able to come back. Because I don't think that every single hamstring injury is created equally, but I think that you have to approach any hamstring injury with a good bit of caution. I say it's not all created equally because you can have a hamstring issue that is persistent over months and months and months. Look at like Jackson Smith and Jigba, for example a wide receiver for Ohio State. He tore his hamstring early on in the season and he was out for the entirety of the season. There are some hamstrings that you pull it, it bothers you, but then you're able to come back and be 100%. But hamstrings are very, very tricky. Those soft tissue injuries are very, very tricky. So Brian Kelly explained kind of how they're approaching both Greg Penn and Mac Markway and uh, what their absence could potentially do with the linebacker room. Uh, Both of those guys have hamstrings. Um, and, and they're, look, I, I think that, you know, could we have gotten away with Greg Penn out there today? Possibly, but you know, and, and where we're at and the, the progress that he's made, it didn't make much sense for us to, to, to bring him out there today. I think, um, Mac is a little behind. He's probably 80%, you know, so both of those guys will be fine. But they were real high hamstrings. They were probably grade twos. So, you know, we have to be a little bit more cautious with them. So they're going to be fine. Be cautious with them. I'm cool with that. Be cautious with these guys in April. I, I don't need to see Greg Penn in the spring game. I need to see Greg Penn against Auburn. I don't need to see Mac an 80% Mac Markway in the spring game. I want to see 100% Mac Markway in October and November. So I've said it before about several guys that are facing injuries right now, whether it be Greg Brooks, whether it be Greg Penn, whether it be Mac Markway, whether it be any of these guys dealing with recoveries, dealing with soft tissue injuries, dealing with just tweaks and aches and pains and bruises. Get him out of here. Get him out. Get him out. I don't need to see him in spring ball. They're going to be fine, especially veterans like this that have enough experience that you feel good about it. Um, Feel pretty solid about the linebackers and the edge rushers. They step away from the spring game, kind of confirming my belief that this is going to be a solid group. Something else confirmed my belief uh, after the game on Saturday, and it wasn't necessarily a good thing. We'll get into that coming up next, and I'll explain what I mean by that. Well, thanks again for making Locked and LSU your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Um, I feel good about the linebackers. I feel good about the edge rushers, at least where it stands right now. Knock on wood that it stays that way. One group that I never, I didn't feel great about and still don't feel great about, and that's the cornerback room. And I don't think that any of us uh, should be surprised or will be surprised or are surprised by that considering how this cornerback room 
had to be rebuilt. Basically had to rebuild Roman a day. Now, one thing I do feel good about in the in this cornerback room is you at least got a bunch of bodies in there that you were able to find skilled and talented players at that position. Now the question is, how are you able to coach them up? How are they going to become a cohesive unit? And really, do you have enough depth? You feel good enough about your depth. I would say a month or so ago, I had no problem with the cornerback depth. However, now that we're getting closer to it, are you thinking that, that might be a position of need in the spring transfer portal before the transfer portal closes in just about a week or so? That's that's one thing that I'm looking at. Um, on Saturday in the spring game, the first team corners were Zy Alexander and J.K. Johnson, which was a little bit of a surprise that this player, Denver Harris, was in the second team corners. And he did get some first team reps. He and J.K. Johnson kind of uh, um, mixed in there that Denver Harris did get a few first team reps, uh, but LaTerrence Welch and Denver Harris, for the most part, we were going to be your second team corners. Now I was surprised by Denver Harris, not being a first team corner and playing with the second team, because I viewed Denver Harris as being the best cornerback on your team, being the best corner that you got through the transfer portal. I look at it like this. Denver Harris is going to have to prove himself. That's something that Brian Kelly said, yeah, I guess a month or so ago, whenever it was when he met with the media, he was asked about Denver Harris. He said he's going to have to, you know, we're going to test him and he's going to have to prove to us that he loves football. Denver Harris has gone through enough, you know, behavioral issues at Texas A&M. He now hasn't a fresh start at LSU. And Brian Kelly said, you know, he has no choice but to succeed. I think that this may have been a little bit of a test for Denver Harris that this may have been Brian Kelly's way, Matt House's way, whoever's decision it was, they probably leaned toward Brian Kelly, that this was his decision to say, hey, look, you are not handed first team reps on a silver platter. You're going to have to work for those. I don't care how many stars were by your name on, on 247sports.com or on 3.com, you know, whatever recruiting site you like to work with uh, or, or to use but you're going to have to earn your spot on the first team and kind of seeing how he responds to that. And maybe I'm overlooking it. Maybe it's simply Zaya Alexander and JK Johnson have just been the better corners throughout spring practice. And that absolutely can be the truth, but that's just kind of, I'll look at Denver Harris kind of under a microscope a little bit and I'll view how they handle Denver Harris throughout the off season a little bit differently than I will the rest of these corners, just simply given his history. That's my soapbox about Denver Harris. Um, LaTerrence Welch, I think, had a fabulous day on Saturday. Two pass breakups, you know, the true sophomore coming back from his uh, from his true freshman season, got very little work. You know, no, uh, I don't believe he started in a game this past season. You know, we, we saw him in a few games this past year. But LaTerrence Welch was your only returning corner from last year to this year. And he had a really solid day, so good to see LaTerrence Welch get some of that work. But Brian Kelly was asked about the corners. I think that anyone that watched on that game on Saturday – would share kind of the same sentiment that Brian Kelly had about this cornerback position. This is Brian Kelly. Yeah, you know, we saw we saw some good things, you know, clearly, but it's work in progress for all of those guys in terms of, you know, where they need to get to for the fall. Um, you know, J.K. and Denver um, and, and Alexander, all three of them are still, you know, in that process for us in terms of, weight room, um, in terms of the, the, 
the defense itself, um, and and just a consistency of doing it at a high level. They're not there yet. We believe they can get there. Uh, we saw glimpses of it today. Um, you know, we saw glimpses of of uh, Laterrence. You know, his play today. Um, so, I just think that we're. We're not there yet. We think we've got some guys that are capable of playing at a high level, um, but there's still there's still work to be done. And I would agree. There is still work to be done, and that's okay. You don't need to be a fully refined product stepping out of spring football, stepping out of the spring game. Of course, you feel great about it. You know, like yesterday, I broke down the quarterback room. I said, I think that's the most complete quarterback room. I think that's the best quarterback room in the SEC. You definitely don't step away from from that feeling or that spring game and not feel good about your team. But I also think we need to remind ourselves that on April 25th, today, it's okay if it's not a complete product, especially when it's a room that is made up of almost all but one of transfer portal players. There's going to be work to be done. And that is okay. Now the question is, are you going to be able to do the work to make them ready to go, to make them a complete unit, to be competitive, to be that 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 cornerback unit that you need them to be by September? That's the important question. And that's why they make the big bucks. I will share th- one thought, though, that I have about DBs and the secondary, or whatever this is worth. I do believe that in modern day football, it's something I said yesterday, it's something that Matt House said a while ago, and it's something that I subscribe to, especially in this league, in the SEC. This is a game that's won in the trenches. This is a game that is won at the line of scrimmage. This is a game that relies heavily on the offensive on the offensive line to protect the quarterback, on the defensive line to get pressure on the quarterback. I don't think that you win or lose national titles because of your corners. I really don't. And that is no disrespect to the cornerback position. Because what did I just say about the passing game? That, you know, the guys that are making the big bucks in the NFL, they're the guys that are catching the passes, the guys that are rushing the passer. Well, if the, the guys that are catching the passes are making the big bucks, well, then you need guys to defend those, those guys that are catching the passes. So it's not to say that corners aren't important or corners aren't, aren't vital to the success of your football team. I just look at it and I say, look, I'd rather have a strong defensive line and questions in the secondary than the other way around, to be completely honest with you, with you, if I had to choose. Because if your guys up front, your defensive line, your edge rushers, your linebackers, if they're doing their job, well, then the corner's job is that much easier. So if we believe in the defensive line and the edge rushers and the linebackers as much as we do right now, or at least at least as much as I do right now, you can live with the corners having some work to do. Now, again, uh, it's not to say that I want some scrubs back there in the secondary, but it's just something. It's, it's a football philosophy that I have. If your guys up front are doing their jobs, the cornerbacks, they're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. That's going to do it for me today. Thank you for making Lockdown LSU your first listen every single day. Every dayers tomorrow on the show. I'm going to put a bow on my spring game takeaways, my spring game thoughts, overall thoughts on the program, microcosms that we saw in the spring game. How is that for an SAT vocab word? We'll get into that on the show tomorrow.